Well, hey, hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode 80, and today I have a really special interview to share with you. His name is Sean Coyne, and he is also partnered with Ryan Moran, which you guys probably already know I had on the show, and you guys are probably already fans of, but he actually was his partner in their yoga business, which they actually went on to sell after they built the business. So I've got him on today. We're going to actually dive into his side of the business and kind of get some of those questions that Ryan might not have been able to answer, which he admits that he's not the technical guy, but also just to hear it from the perspective of Sean. So I really wanted to kind of dig into that. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, before we dive into that, I did want to give a little shout out Give a little shout out to one of our TASers, one of our Facebook group members, that is, and they posted a really cool little screenshot here, and the screenshot is of their phone, their little slot machine, as Danny Brewer uh, references it, because uh, every time you're swiping the phone, it's kind of like a little slot machine. Hopefully, it shows that there's been dollars made. Well, this gentleman had actually posted this in the group, and I wanted to share this with you, Chris Nowak. I hope I pronounced your name right, Chris, but he posted a screenshot of $839.58, and this was for the week, and it says, 72 hours in, four reviews from friends and family for free product, about $300 of this is promotions, but wow, take action, TASers, hope this gets everyone motivated on this Friday evening. Now, that was Friday when he posted it, it's not Friday right now, but I did just want to say that he posted this, and that's what it's all about, this community that we're creating here, is to help share these these victories So this way here, we can help motivate each other. So I wanted to say thanks so much for sharing that. And if you guys are not part of that community, you really want to do that. You can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F as in Frank, B as in boy. And I have to laugh when I always say that because you longtime listeners know that that's kind of like the spiel there, right? And I also wanted to say real quick that uh, everyone that's been attending the live workshops that I've been doing, I want to say thank you personally and publicly because uh, it's been a lot of fun. And if you haven't been to one of those or you're new and you haven't heard of those, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And that's where I actually outline Similar to what I'm doing here on the podcast, just visually, where I walk you through the five phases that I actually I actually chunk everything down to kind of walk through the process of finding a product and sourcing a product and launching a product and then promoting the product. And I also do some live Q&A. So you're going to want to head over and check that out if you've never attended one because they're a lot of fun. So again, the link to that is theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. I'd love to have you. I'd love to hang out with you. Go over there and register and I'll see you on the live workshop. So let's go ahead and dive into today's interview with Sean and I will talk to you at the end of this interview. Okay, everyone. Well, I am really excited, as you guys have already heard me say in the pre-interview or the pre-talk that I always do. And uh, Sean, I just want to welcome you to the show. Sean Coyne, that is, by the way. And uh, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day to spend with us today. Yeah, Scott. No, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I'm, I mean, I had Ryan on, on the show, and he actually introduced me to you, but I have also heard and seen you just from being, a, you know, connected to him and um, him being on the on his podcast and then being aware of you, and he said, you know, you really should have Sean on because he's kind of like the behind-the-scenes guy that doesn't, you know, doesn't really get out in the forefront much, but 
has a lot of knowledge. So I really did want to dig into that, but I also wanted to kind of hear your perspective today. I really wanted to kind of see, you know, you going through this entire journey. Maybe you can take us through, you know, kind of like the steps leading up to, you know, how you decided to go on Amazon. And then from there, once we kind of get through your story, as far as, you know, kind of all of the details, all the nitty gritty, maybe, then I can go ahead and maybe dig into some of those points that I have questions on, but I know that the listeners will have questions on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so kind of, I, I guess kind of, so where, where did it all start? Where did it start that you, uh, you decided to, I mean, I know Ryan was a, a part of this, but kind of like, you know, tell the audience that doesn't know kind of like how it all started. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun story. It was, it was kind of a happy accident. Um, you know, Ryan and I had, had grown up together in, in middle school um, and then we split up, went our separate ways to college and we just reconnected a few years ago. We were just having lunch and chatting about life and I was telling him how I was selling uh, inflatable movie screens that I was basically retail arbitrage from Target to eBay and Amazon. And he gave me this look like, you are insane. Like, you're doing all that work for, like, that little amount? And he's like, well, why don't you try, like, buying a bunch of them, throw them in Amazon FBA, and see if you can automate it. Well, it turns out that wasn't a very good idea. It wouldn't have been profitable. But that got the conversation started that maybe we should start selling something on Amazon Ryan had already been selling, um, you know, some supplements on Amazon. We decided to look for, um, you know, a product that the two of us could work on together and settled on yoga. And uh, the rest is history. So it was kind of, it was kind of just a, a random fluke by some dumb thing I was doing to help pay off school that kind of blew up. Let's, uh, let, and actually it's funny, that's, that's kind of no pun intended there, blow up screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish the punter was intended. That would have been better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, um, okay. So let's just talk about that real quick, though, because I mean, I've heard the story, but maybe some of my listeners haven't. Just kind of, what was the profit margin on that for you? And I, I mean, I can imagine for a blow-up movie screen, that box had to be kind of big. Yeah. So I never actually touched the boxes. I, I have, <laughs> I, I don't know what the percentage was. I want to say I was making like ten percent profit. It wasn't terrible. Um, but I had a target card that got 5% off and then I would hunt around for coupons so I could get another 5% off. And for every movie screen, I was making probably 20 to $30 depending on the sale. And some days I would sell five or six. Um, and that, that really paid for most of my grad school. (laughs) Like the most absurd way to like make it through school, but it, it worked. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work and sometimes they're like the sale would end and then I would like lose money because I had priced it too low. But, um, I don't know. It was kind of a, an eye-opening experience. Like, if you just think about things in a different way, like there's a lot of opportunities out there. Right now, were you selling those movie screens though on Amazon right away, or was that after the conversation you had with Ryan? Like, where were you selling them before you talked to Ryan? Yeah, I had been selling them on eBay and Amazon, not as my own kind of private label, but as the actual product. So I just priced it a little bit lower than the main seller, um, and then once they were gone, they were gone. So I would just do FBM a couple of them. And then ship direct from Target to whoever purchased it. So I, I never actually held the movie screens. I think I might have gotten one as a return. Wow. Um, wow. And but usually I went straight from Target to the Amazon customer, and Target was happy, and customer was happy, and I was certainly happy. Wow, that's uh, awesome. It was way more work than uh, than necessary, and way more work than using Amazon FBA. 
Yeah. And I think it's cool though, too, that you, you bring that up though, because a lot of people, uh, a lot of my listeners ask, you know, like, is retail ARB still, you know, doable? And should I do it if I'm kind of like, you know, trying to, you know, get some money together to kind of start this thing? And I think from what you just said that it is still doable. I mean, it's just more work. It's to me, it's kind of like a job in a sense. But like you said, you pay for your schooling by selling these inflatable movie screens. So I think that's an awesome thing there to share. And uh, just to give people the insight that it is possible, it just takes some work. Yeah, it's definitely possible, and it's certainly more work than uh, than necessary. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Gotcha. Yeah, I I totally agree. All right, cool. So now you've kind of and, and what I like about that too is you kind of learned the system too. Like you kind of understand Amazon's platform, eBay, all of those external channels. You understand them now. So really, now the next step is is okay. Now the conversation starts between you two as far as like going in as a partnership to possibly private label. So how did that conversation start? Yeah, so we had we had kicked the idea around at lunch, and I think you know he went back to uh, I think he was actually here in Austin at the time, and I went back to Cleveland, Ohio, and um, we just like had some conversations, and we're like, well, let's like look up some products. Like it's it's free to start. Like you don't have to invest anything when you're searching for a product, and if if we find something we like that we think will be profitable, we'll we'll each throw some money in and we'll start a business together, and we just settled on on yoga mats, not because either of us do yoga. But because we saw there was a, a really strong market there and a really strong community, and we thought that you know we certainly had the skills to to kind of facilitate the logistics and get everything listed, but we wanted a community that we could um, like connect with, our business could connect with, and yoga just seemed right. Um, so then we we had a couple of yoga products in the in the brainstorming session, and we settled on yoga mats um, just because you know you can do yoga without a yoga block, but it's a little bit more difficult to do without a yoga mat. And that was the one that we saw as the, the biggest uh, driver. And that's what we went with. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I, I like that too. And I want to, I want to highlight that is where you talked about building um, or creating a brand um, around a community or a product that could be servicing a community. And I think that's huge because you're able to now get this, you know, these products that a community is going to be interested in, not just a product one off. And I think that's important. And I think that's a huge thing to highlight for people because a lot of people struggle in this phase. So let me ask you this. So now you're, you're going back and forth to these different products thing, you know, product ideas. Are you looking at how many you potentially think you can sell a day? Like, how did you kind of come up with those numbers to say, yeah, let's go ahead and give this a shot? Yeah, there was a there was a bunch of factors, um, and some of them were just gut, but there was certainly a lot of um, you know analysis. And volume was one of them. We used the nine 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 trick. I'm not sure if yep. you're familiar with that. Yep. With that. Yep. Um, so we we did that to kind of estimate what we thought the volume might be. We looked on Google, um, on Google Trends, on the, the Google, uh, I think it's whatever their new AdWords tool is, where you can see the search results. We just looked at kind of the number of reviews. For some of the top products for the keyword, like yoga mat, we just looked those up. Um, we looked at the rank of those products to kind of determine if we if we could compete, if it was worth competing. Um, and we kind of just we didn't have like a a hard system. We just looked at all the information and absorbed it, and we said like this this is the right one. This one feels right. So there was it was kind of science and an art. There was certainly science as far as the data gathering and. Once we had all the data for the different products, then we just looked at it at a high level and went with the one that we felt would be best. So there, there's, I guess there's no like formula to pick the perfect product, but sure. there's certainly a formula to give you the information you need to pick the perfect product. 
Yeah, exactly. Now, let me ask you this. If if you're looking at all that stuff, did you actually, okay, say you type in yoga mat, did you actually type that in and then say, okay, we're going to get the search results. And did you look at the competition and say, okay, are we going to be able to hit the first page? And how hard is it going to be? And what did those numbers kind of look like if, if you know them? I mean, just roughly, I mean, were they like crazy numbers? Like, did they all have like thousands of reviews or were they just, you thought a few were kind of competitive, but there was a few that were weak. I mean, give us that background on that. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. And we, we definitely did that. And that was, that was probably our only concern with yoga mats is we knew it was a really big market and there was some relatively big brands out there. Um, so we did exactly that. We searched for yoga mat, looked at the front page for the most part, you know, page one had maybe two to 300 reviews per product. And, and we knew we could keep, keep up with that. I think there's a couple that have a thousand, um, and we're, we're still not there yet, but you know, when, when the whole first page has a thousand, that's a totally different story than a couple on the first page. So we looked at those numbers and we felt that that it was very reasonable that we could get on the first page and that we could compete with them uh, quickly. Okay, cool. All right. So now you you settle on it. Now we're going to kind of go to the net, that next st- uh, stage as far as like now you have to figure out, okay, this is great and all. How do we actually find this product that we can private label and all that stuff. Take us maybe through that process. And I know you probably did a lot of that because you are kind of the back end guy. Um, kind of give us a little bit of, of what went into that. Yeah, definitely. And you, you are right. This is kind of Ryan does the ideas and I kind of make them happen. So once we had that idea sorted out, um, I, I kind of just ran with it on on Alibaba and ran with it through our audience. So the, one of the main reasons we wanted a product that spoke to an audience was like that we can figure out what the audience wants. If, if you have an audience in mind, they can tell you what they want. If you don't have an audience in mind, you can't just force products upon random people. So we ran some surveys on, um, on Reddit using SurveyMonkey on like the, the yoga thread, just asking like, hey, what do you like in a yoga mat? Like what color do you like? You know, what, what material do you like? And it was really interesting. People didn't seem to know what materials they liked, but they knew they wanted it to be eco-friendly. And people wanted a black yoga mat. I would never have guessed that. <laughs> um, so, so after we after we had the survey um, that we got from Reddit, we we took those specs and kind of built out the the perfect yoga mat. So we listed out you know how thick it would be, what color it would be, what material it would be, where the logo would be. Um, you know, basically, if we could design it instantly, this is what it would look like. And then we signed up for um, an Alibaba account and started narrowing down suppliers. Now. With yoga mats, we were lucky because there was thousands and thousands of suppliers. So first, we just filtered by kind of the Alibaba certifications. I think there's like gold stars or gold coins or there's some sort of method that um, Alibaba uses to kind of vet their their suppliers. So we just ignored anyone that didn't have those um, you know, those credentials. Now, if you're in a smaller market, that might not be you know, possible, but with yoga mats, it was. Um, and then, then we crafted up, um, kind of a form email saying like, Hey, we're adding a new branch to our company. We want to get into yoga mats. We would like to work with you. Like, can you meet these specs? And if so, can you send us some, some pricing and some volumes? Um, you know, we certainly wanted to, um, we didn't want to give the impression that we were a tiny little company. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that they understood we were serious. Um, and we probably messaged five or 10 different suppliers and some of them responded, um, some of them didn't. Um, for the ones that responded, you know, we kind of did like a 
gut check. If it, some of them, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. Maybe it was a communication barrier or maybe, sure. you know, we just weren't on the same page, but we could just tell by reading their email that this wasn't really the, the route we wanted to go. Um, and we ended up settling on the supplier that we, that we use now. Um, you know, it, it just felt right. I don't really have any other way to explain it sure, other than sure. it felt right. Uh, and it, it turned out to be right. Um, and, and that went really well. So we gave them our specs and we ordered a sample um, now, if you're ordering from China, samples are, are a little expensive. I, I feel like we paid a couple hundred dollars to have it custom made and shipped. Um, but you know, I, I think it was absolutely worth it. Um, you know, plenty of people, you know, jump straight into the full order and it works out just fine, but, uh, I'm a little risk adverse. So I wanted to see the, the finished custom product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, it's funny though. I just want to jump in there real quick. A lot of people, I mean, your, mm-hmm. yours is a bigger product, a little oversized and all that stuff. So yours is actually a little bit more expensive, but I hear a lot of people and they'll email me and be like, you know, Scott, they want to charge me like $50 for a sample. And I'm like, it's express shipping, usually DHL. <laughs> and it's like 50 bucks. I mean, I'm in New York. If if, it, if I send something to California, it's going to cost me 20 bucks. You know what I mean? So um, I just, I, I, I love it that you pointed that out because 200 bucks to get a sample in your hands is totally worth it. And in your case, it was definitely worth it. So I just wanted to touch on that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly get the same question all the time. Um, and yeah, definitely worth the money. Um, Absolutely. So what? Once we got that sample, uh, we, we looked it over, we like stepped on it, we smashed it with our hands, basically just tried to beat it up to see, we tried to rip it, and we just wanted to see like, h- how would it hold up? Like, was it, was it the quality that we wanted to be associated with our brand? And once we decided it was, we went ahead, sent a wire transfer to, uh, to the supplier. Um, and they rec- for the first order, they wanted 50 up front, 50 at shipment, and we were fine with that. And then we shipped the sample off, um, you know, to get some photos, and that way we could get started on the listing while the product got made. Um, and that was pretty much the process from from idea to to order. Oh wow! Okay, cool. So you, you got the sample, you beat it up a little bit, made sure it was what you wanted, and then from there they went ahead and manufactured it. How long did it take? for them to actually get the product shipped to you. Now I know that's an oversized unit, so you probably had to go see, correct? Yep, we absolutely had to go see. I think they wanted $10,000 for air shipping. <laughs> We're like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's that's not feasible. <laughs> that's wow. more than we'll ever make on that product. <laughs> and and let, so, let, yeah. me just add, let, let me just ask you this. So, so what was the selling price going to be for your product? Like what did you have in your head that you're thinking you're going to be able to sell it for? And what did you end up getting the pricing from the manufacturer to where you were going to be able to get it in Amazon's warehouse? Yeah, so the the selling point, I think right now we have it listed at thirty five, and we were we were hoping for for somewhere around thirty. So uh, we were certainly happy with that. That that gives us like probably like a forty percent margin. Oh, nice. Um, okay. A, as to what the actual supplier was charging us, I want to say it was like six or seven. Um, we haven't since we've sold. We haven't really um, been placing the orders ourselves now. So. I think it was around that amount. Um, so it was certainly was a reasonable margin. Now we had to place a pretty big order to to get that amount. Um, they weren't going to give us a hundred mats for for that price. Um, I think we're, we're ordering thousands and thousands now. Um, but you know, starting off, we we were happy with that. Um, with that kind of that math there. And how was that experience? I, a lot of people ask me, I don't do this method. Um, there is some people that do, I know it's more complicated. Um, but you know, you don't have to go into all the details, but what, what does the process look like for getting it from your manufacturer on a boat to Amazon? What's that process look like? Yeah, 
Absolutely. So the, the first part, it took about a month to make. So we placed the order and then we waited for a month. And during that time, we kind of built up our, our Facebook and built up our listing. But while the manufacturer was, was working on it, um, we were working on other things. So once the product was actually ready, we had the supplier send us photos. We just wanted to do like a spot check. Um, we had them send us photos of the product, send us photos of the label, send us photos of the cartons. We wanted to make sure all of the, the labeling was right. Um, and then for the first order, our supplier managed the shipping. Um, it was super stressful and was the only time we let them do it. But, um, you know, for our first order, we just wanted to keep it as, as, as few chefs in the kitchen as possible. Absolutely, so yeah. the, the supplier managed everything from getting it from their warehouse to, um, to the, like the, the packaging area. So they package it in the carton and then the, or in the uh, container. And then they managed getting the container to like the freight yard and then from the freight yard to the boat. And they just did all of that. And we weren't really involved. Um, and then once it got on, on the, uh, the freighter, it probably took two weeks or so. The, the packing and moving on China soil took about a, a week. And then it was about two weeks at sea. And then it took about a week once it got into, I think it went through New York, through customs, and then um, shipping via land to whatever Amazon warehouse we had chosen took about another week. So throughout that entire process, the supplier managed it. Um, and there was multiple nights where I was up till two in the morning trying to work with the, the US based kind of trucking company to explain to them all of Amazon's rules for loading into Amazon and how they had to have an appointment, even though they thought they were just going to drop it off. Um, and it was super stressful. And I go to bed at like 10 o'clock. So for me to be up at like <laughs> two in the morning was just not happening. Um, wow. So that was the one and only time we let them um, do the shipping. After that, we found a freight forwarder who stayed up till two in the morning for us, basically. Um, gotcha. And it was okay. a little bit more expensive, but way less stressful. Um, and we, we've built up a really good relationship with them. So they've, they've helped us with stuff like uh, overflow storage and product labeling in the U.S., um, and they've been a pretty cool, um, you know, asset to have on our team. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I can definitely see that that could be stressful. Uh, and, and you just went ahead and I mean, now that you've done it, you've, you've, you know, the process, but now it's like you said, it's got, you have a third party that's taking care of all that stuff and they're the ones that are on the phones and doing all of that stuff. So yeah, I definitely, that that's smart, but, um, definitely sounds like a lot of hoops to jump through, um, doing the, uh, you know, manufacture, you know, taking care of all of that and then getting it over there. There's a lot of different steps, I guess, that have to be met and, uh, yeah, it sounds it sounds like it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now you get the product finally, right? You've been waiting. You you're probably you know chomping at the bit here. Can't wait to get this thing. I'm sure Ryan was too. You get it in now. It's finally there. Your listing goes live. Now what? Now what do you guys do? Yeah. So the very first thing we did was bothered our friends and family, and we're like, hey, we just started a yoga company. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me I'm crazy. I'm just going to send you a yoga mat and leave me a review. Um, so we got probably like five or six reviews within like the first uh, like couple days. We like overnighted some products to our friends. And then once we had a few reviews on the listing, now mind you, our listing was already set up. We had done all that sure. um, while we were waiting for the shipment. Uh, then we did a, a blast. So one of the things we had been working on um, while the product was made and shipped was building up a Facebook community. And we just chose Facebook because we knew Facebook. It wasn't because we thought it was like the ultimate answer or the best stream. It just it's what we had used both personally and like, for driving traffic to other um, Facebook pages. And we knew we could do it pretty quickly and pretty cheap. 
Um, so we had a Facebook audience of probably like 5,000 or so. And we basically said, let's just like give away a bunch of yoga mats. Like we know, we know that Amazon's like ranking system is based partially on volume. And we know that our yoga audience likes yoga mats. So let's just give, the, give away a bunch and see how that impacts our sales. Um, so I think we gave away like 100 or, 100 or 150 yoga mats at a dollar um, using a coupon code. The first time we basically just wrote, email me at, and then I put up my email and then I just got spammed all week long. Oh, wow. Um, and every time someone would email me, I would email them a coupon code and the link and be like, Hey, like we're a small company. We're just starting. Like we really would appreciate if you leave a review once it comes in, if you have problems, like let me know personally. So we, we definitely went like the small, the small business route. Um, yep, yep. but we also gave our fans exactly what they wanted. That's a free yoga mat. So that was kind of our, our initial launch. And I mean, we kind of went through this this iterative routine over and over. We would do a launch, our sales would spike, um, then we would sell out, and then we'd have to order more. Um, so that was kind of the first the first round. And I I think you know just with that blast, we we launched up to page two or three within a couple of days. Wow. Now, um, when you're giving away. Um, those units on your on your page. Now I know Facebook pages are a little bit different now with the reach and all that stuff. And I'm sure that you were engaging on a regular basis, or someone was on your behalf to try to keep that. And I mean, I'm hearing you know nowadays it's like you're lucky if you can reach 10%. And I know we can retarget those people with Facebook ads now, which I think is smart. I mean, you're still building up a list. It's not your list technically, but you can definitely target it. Um, is that kind of how you did it though? You just kind of posted it on your on your uh, Facebook fan page wall kind of thing. Yeah, I think we had like a couple days in advance. We had kind of been like putting out teasers like, hey, we're launching a new product. Like it's coming out soon. Like here's a little bit about it. And we would just kind of share um, some of some of the features and just a little bit of information about it. That way, when we did the actual launch, you know, people were already expecting it. But we had also been, you kind of touched on this, providing them with just general yoga and healthy life type content. So the entire page was not just buys and active, buys and active. It was like this is a yoga community and we happen to have yoga mats. Um, gotcha. And yeah, I think, I don't know what our reach was because we never really have been concerned because we always sell out within like, like minutes. I think we do launches now, like within less than an hour, all the coupon codes are gone. Wow. Um, wow. So I don't know what percentage that is. Um, and are you having them? Probably not that high, but it, it doesn't uh, really matter for what we need. Are you having them um, email you or through Facebook? Are you saying like the first 10 people that contact us will get a code? Is that how you're doing that? That's what we did the first time. Since then, um, we've gotten a little more sophisticated. We have kind of like some squeeze pages with automated um, single-use coupon codes set up so that that each um, like each visitor gets their own code, and that way we can't have like a, a leaked code right. event. Um and I'm, I'm not entirely sure how that's actually like physically set up. Um, you know, since we've been purchased, you know, we've had a lot of additional resources, um, you know, available to us and, and the, the parent company has set that up, but, um, that's been the way more efficient than me responding to a hundred emails, you know, during the middle of a work day. But is that how you would have done it though? If you're starting out and you're bootstrapping it right now, is that how you would do that? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it there's certainly, the only downside is it takes your time to copy and paste the same response over and over. Um, yeah. There's really no reason to to try and fiddle with a squeeze page or figuring out any of the other nonsense because it's all it all gets the same result. And exactly. It's only going to take you a couple hours. 
Gotcha. So really the, the, the key here is, is that you want to give away units to spike sales. We all kind of know that, but that's really what you've done here on a, on a regular basis. And would you do it? Would you try to sprinkle these out over the course of a few days or would you go ahead and try to get as many as you could in one, one blast? Uh, we try and do like a big blast and then, um, you know, just kind of some ancillary sales. So let's just like throw out some random numbers. If we did a blast of a hundred today, we might do 25 tomorrow, 25 the next day. That just kind of keeps it on our page. We might get some, some incidental sales just from people that, that see the name. Um, but the main, the, the main plan on our part is just to do a big blast, a one-time kind of spike um, in the ranking. Okay, cool. And then after the fact, after you do that, I know you're looking for reviews and you're looking to spike, um, you know, your ranking and all of that stuff. Now, are you also running like pay-per-click at that time, maybe a little bit more aggressive to keep that? Because I know if you if you just spike and, and it stops, you're going to lose your ranking. So what do you do to kind of like keep that pushed? Yeah, we definitely we definitely run uh, Amazon pay-per-click. Um, and we, we kind of tweak that as it goes. I think we're in a, a pretty refined uh, rhythm right now. But um, use Amazon pay-per-click. Um, you know, we, we, that's partially the reason for kind of the secondary, those smaller little blasts is just to kind of keep it up there. Um, you know, we, we found that, you know, a lot of it has to do with your, your conversion and rate and your price. So if your price is just crazy or your conversion is terrible, you can blast your way to the top and then just like you said, you're just going to fall off. So you have to make sure that your listing is finely tuned. Um, and it might not be perfect the first time and you can kind of just go with that. And once you have that so that spiked volume. Now you'll have some volume to do kind of some testing on. Um, but those are the kind of the two factors we found to um, have a big impact on keeping the ranking would be the price and the conversion ratio. Sure. Okay. Yeah, totally. Now, one thing we didn't really talk about, do you have anything in place for automating your feedback, your reviews, all of that stuff? Or do you just kind of let Amazon do its thing? Nope. Yeah, we definitely have stuff in place. We use uh, Feedback Genius as our uh, email responder. Um, there's a ton of great companies out there. We just use Feedback Genius because that's the one that I signed up for and I don't feel like switching. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I know there's a bunch out there. Um, they all pretty much work the same. Uh, so, so we have we have two emails that go out. One goes out um, like a couple days uh, after the order and then one goes out on delivery and they're both are just kind of stating like, hey, let us know if you have any problems. We really appreciate a review. Um, and that's kind of the overall consensus um, of the email is just pushing to to get a review and pushing to have contact, um, you know, instead of a like a bad review. So I guess there's like an option like, are you unhappy with your yoga mat? Then click here. And it, you know, has the option um, to contact us instead of the option to leave a one-star review, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally um, does. That totally does. Yeah, so cool. So you got some automated um, systems in place, which is, I think, great, because if we're going to do these promotions or if we're going to even just get regular sales, we're going to want to you know, keep those reviews coming in. Now, let me just touch on that real quick. What's your thoughts on reviews? I, I know there's kind of like you can always be getting more reviews, and I think we all should be, but is there some type of point where if you're competing with someone that's got 500 reviews, and then you have 100 reviews, is it going to make that big of a difference to get another 100 reviews? Or does it start to become less as important as you get closer or as you know as you cut that in half or whatever? Do you, do you see anything there? Do you have any opinions on that? 
Yeah, I think there's definitely diminishing returns, and I think it depends more on the overall kind of review level. So, for example, I would think if Yoga Mats on average had 500 reviews and you had 100, then if the the customer sees five or six in a row with 500 and then you with 100, they're probably not going to look very favorably. If they see five or six with like 80, 90, 100, someone with 500, and then you with 100, um, you know, the perception might be different. Now, I don't have any any data either way to what the sure. what the sweet spot is, but that's just kind of kind of my thought. Um, and it depends on it depends on the market too. So if if you have fifty reviews and all your competitors have fifty reviews, um, you know, if you push to two hundred, that could really set you apart. If all your competitors have two hundred and you have two hundred, you know, that's not really making you stand out. So it's not going to have the same impact as if you had four times your competition's reviews. Um, all yeah. of that's just theory. We've, we've just always just pushed for as many reviews as we can get. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's, uh, but, that's kind of what I had, I was thinking as well. And I, I kind of feel the same way. And like you said, there's no real, um, proof of any of this stuff, but it makes kind of sense. I mean, you just don't want to be the lowest, I guess. Um, the other, uh, question I wanted to ask you is, and we, I haven't really even talked about this much is the bestseller tag. How, how important you think that is to, to get that, uh, bestseller tag, um, on your listing? I mean, do you, do you think it makes that big of a difference for conversion or again, does it come down to, does everyone on the page have a bestseller tag because it's in that kind of a market? Yeah, I, I would, I think, I think it certainly does make a difference. We had the, the bestseller tag for, for yoga towel for towel for a while before we ran out of stock. Um, in addition to kind of making you stand out, it felt really good. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah, able to yeah. like, look at, look at what you've done and be like, we are the, like, we are number one, like we are the bestseller, even if it's some arbitrary, tiny little, little, um, like subcategory. It, it was a really cool day. I think Ryan and I were both bouncing around when we got that. Awesome, um, awesome. in the whole, in the whole scheme of things though, I mean, it's probably less important than, than having, um, you know, a, a finely tuned product listing or the right price. Um, it certainly isn't going to hurt. Uh, but you know, you can be extremely successful without that tag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's good because you know, a lot of people will focus on these things and that's why I just kind of wanted to highlight these. And I know you've been around, you know, your business, but other people's businesses being around Ryan and, um, you know, in his groups and stuff. So, um, that, I guess, you know, that's kind of where I, so now at this point you're, you're, I mean, and we didn't even really announce this. I mean, I think people already knew that listened to Ryan's, um, interview, but, um, you guys sold the company. Um, you know, since, uh, since that, but it sounds like you're still kind of working in it. So can you kind of just, I, I know Ryan might come back on and talk about that entire process, kind of like the mistakes that you guys might've made that you would have done differently, but what, um, what happened? How did that kind of come about? Did you guys go searching for that? Or was that something that just kind of fell in your lap? Kind of give us a little bit of a background on that. Yeah. And so certainly, um, you know, Ryan would have a, a much more interesting story. He, he's a much better storyteller than I am. Um, <laughs> but the 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 gist of it was they saw Ryan speaking on stage, and you know th- this company had been um, you know working on their own their own Amazon products that hadn't been terribly successful, and they they really wanted to work with Ryan. Um, so they approached him, and they're like, "Hey, you know, w- what do we need to do?" And that kind of transformed into to our, uh, our current arrangement where they've purchased is inactive and we're still, um, consulting with them. So part of, part of the agreement was, you know, we would be able to have access to kind of their vast resources and they would have access to, to us to kind of pick our brains, see what we had done, get our advice. Um, and it's, 
it's been um, you know more. I mean, they, they certainly are now the the owners, but it's been more of a partnership where we have calls every week. Um, you know, they they take our advice and kind of run with it. Um, but they're doing you know a lot of the grunt work, and they have a lot larger of a team and a lot more um, you know capital to to kind of grow the company. So you know, that's the kind of the reasoning from our end is we thought with their help we could grow bigger and faster than we could have on our own. And their their thought was the same. With our help, they could grow bigger and faster um, gotcha. than they could have on their own. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's I guess awesome. that's kind of the uh, the gist. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys didn't set out to technically build this to sell it, although you probably had it in the back back of your mind. But it, you know, it, again, and I think that's why we'll talk about that at a future date. But you know, that is a possibility. And you know, by doing that, it sounds like you guys still have your hands in it, um, and that's part of the arrangements. And you know, we won't get into all of that stuff. But you know, obviously, it needs to make sense for both parties, or else why do it, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. Cool. So. I have a couple more questions before we do um, end the interview. And I want to thank you once again. This has been awesome because I really just wanted to kind of dig into the, the story deeper in some of these uh, in some of these spots. Because as we go through stories of people, how they get started, a lot of times we don't get to dig into those, those little nuances and things that just kind of get glazed over. So, And I think my audience really likes to hear the story kind of like broken down step by step. Um, the one thing I would like to ask you though is like what mistakes do you think that either you made or that you see other businesses or new, you know, sellers coming on making that could, you know, that you would like to say, hey, if you just, you know, if you didn't do this, you know, it'd be easier. Or, you know, just some type of advice like that that could help someone just starting. Um, so this way here they can avoid them. Yeah. And I, I think the the mistake that that we make or made, um, and that I see in other, in other businesses is the same one. And that would be looking for kind of the perfect answers. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time, um, in the beginning that, that really, you know, wasn't necessary trying to, to fine tune every little detail and looking back, you know, we probably could have had our product in Amazon a couple months in advance if we had just moved quicker and been willing to, to kind of grow and change, you know, after the product was on Amazon. I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, oh, well, if I, if I order this product right now, like I'm, I'm stuck with it forever. And that's really not the case. Like it's, it's super easy to change your listing. You can change your photos, you can tweak your product. Um, and it's really better to have like a B minus product on Amazon than no product on Amazon. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, once you have that B minus product, you know, certainly that's not going to you know sustain, you know, long term, but you can use some of that that revenue to to kind of improve it and to grow your business instead of just like sitting around. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally I, I totally agree. So really, I mean, what you're kind of saying there, then, I mean, from just listening to everyone, I mean, being around all of these new sellers that you and Ryan have been, is it is it really the I mean, the easy thing to to kind of put on it is you know is is it just people just thinking too far ahead or what if what if what if. I mean, is that what you would um, say that people are struggling with or, or is it, I mean, what, I mean, what, what, it, what actually are holding people up? Cause I see it all the time and I've got my own opinions. But I'm just curious to what, what you think is it, is it that just people just, they think too much, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's think too much. I don't think it's the what if I think, and this has certainly been, you know, you know, kind of back to that, that story with the supplier staying up till two in the morning you know, in my mind, like this was a huge deal. Like if this didn't work, like it was going to be an epic disaster. And looking back, like the worst thing that would have happened is it would have been a day late. Like 
they weren't about to dump our inventory like on the side of the road in Arizona. Like they weren't going to just like burn it. Like it was going to get there and it wasn't as big of a deal as it was in the moment. Um, and I, I think kind of, um, you know, when you have money and time and your emotion invested into the business, you know, things seem more critical than they really are. And in reality, like these are just minor details that can be adjusted. So I think you're right, like overthinking it, but also overemphasizing like the, the criticality of these minor decisions that can always be changed. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. All right, cool. So, okay. Now uh, I know right now that you're still involved in the Amazon business because you're obviously doing that. So what's, what's, uh, what's exciting you right now? What are you doing right now? Um, are you still running other businesses in Amazon? Are you creating new businesses? What are you actually doing? What is Sean Coyne doing right now? Yeah. So, um, I don't have any other Amazon businesses, you know, Ryan and I are consulting, um, you know, with the, the, the new owners that's inactive. Um, that's really not too much effort. We basically just chit chat with them a couple times a week, give them our thoughts and they do the work. Um, I've, you know, I've, I have some coaching clients. I just launched, um, you know, a step-by-step, uh, kind of video library. Um, you know, I have been making videos for my coaching clients and, one of them was like, can I have like all of your videos? I was like, I, I guess so. I could probably build like a, a way to do that. So, um, you know, I've built a, built a little site that has, you know, a handful of, of step-by-step videos. Um, let's see what else I have going on. Ryan and I have been building a, an app. Um, you know, we'll have to wait until, you know, it comes out to talk more about that. But sure. we've been working with uh, some developers for a really cool app, totally unrelated to Amazon. Um, it kind of came out of, of a night of too much drinking, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) we're really excited about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I have going on. Cool. Um, just enjoying life here in Austin and hanging out with, uh, with Ryan's daughter, trying to teach her to say, uh, bromance as her first word um (laughs) that's funny he's up for a way a rude awakening i mean i know he's already kind of (laughs) felt uh felt it but he's going to uh it's going to get easier i told him i say listen it's going to get easier but uh when you're in it you don't feel like it will but uh it will (laughs) Uh, it's funny um so that that, that's awesome though so you basically you're still involved in that you're in austin now now you didn't always live in austin either right you kind of moved there did you move there because ryan was there and you figured you guys could collaborate a little bit better yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I grew up in Cleveland and I came to Austin like a year and a half ago to visit Ryan just to hang out. And it was like, I don't know, probably like 70 here in Austin and like negative 10 in Cleveland. And I like, <laughs> we went for a run in the park. And I was like, Ryan, like, what am I doing? Like, why, why do people ever live in Ohio? Like, why did anyone decide I'm going to stop here and live? Yeah, I know. Um, so I, know. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I'm moving to moving to Austin. That's so uh, funny. So I did. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, I actually, I'm going to be heading to uh, Texas here for the podcast movement event 2015, my first event. And uh, I'm going there. And actually, I, I mentioned it with my TA listeners and I'm actually going to have a meetup there. So I don't know how far that is for you, but uh, we're going to be there, I think the August 1st and 2nd. So we're going to have a little, uh, a little meetup there for us. And we'd love to have you swing by and have a drink if you were, if you were available. So we're going to be at Fort Worth um, at the Omni Hotel. So, um, and it's unofficial. It's nothing that's I'm doing for the TAS community. I just let people know because a lot of my listeners are from Texas. Um, so uh, I said, hey, what the heck? Why don't we just, uh, after the event, maybe get together and, and have a drink and, and kind of meet each other? So, uh, yeah, it's funny. I've already had a really good turnout and looks like there's going to be at least 20, 25 of us there. So, looking forward to that. So, yeah, if you're free. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Let me know. I think it's like two or three hours from here. I've been to, that's Dallas Fort Worth, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and it's the yeah, podcast yeah, movement. Driving distance. Yeah, it's it's a uh, podcast movement. 2015. I think Pat Flynn's going to be there. Um, uh, John Lee Dumas, uh, Jamie Tardy. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that. Actually, Jamie, I said to Ryan, uh, Jamie's uh, actually um, become one of my mentors. So uh, I'm going to go there and hang out with her for a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'm real excited about it. But yeah, if you're free, hey, head on down and uh, or up or whatever the direction is. I'm I'm all distorted. <laughs> <Dead's there. up>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, love love to meet you and, and hang out and uh, and buy you a drink. But yeah, so I really want to uh, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day. It's been awesome to uh, talk to you. And for anyone that wants to uh, get a hold of you or you know maybe uh, look at your your uh, video library or any of that, give them the the web address. I'll also link all this up inside of the show notes. But um, what's the web address for that, Sean? Yeah, it's coachingjungle.com. Coachingjungle.com. And I love it because there's all just little micro videos that people can watch that are struggling with setting up a coupon code or um, maybe setting up a Facebook page, I'm assuming. I mean, just things like that that I'm, I'm sure um, that you've shown people. And like you said, you're going to be listening and, and creating these inside of this uh, this library. So sounds cool. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We will um, we'll definitely link everything up in the show notes and good luck to you and keep me posted and maybe in the future we can have you on and uh, maybe we see what, what else you're doing or maybe you can give us some uh, revelations that you've found out with Amazon that we don't know yet. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, hopefully I will uh, see you in August. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Sean. See ya. Okay, so there you have it. Really, really good interview. I want to thank Sean again for coming on and sharing his perspective on this business and also working with Ryan Moran. Again, I want to thank Ryan for coming on in the past. And uh, yeah, we'll probably have him on in the future as well to talk a little bit deeper about selling an Amazon business because I think that is definitely going to be something that will be sort of like flipping a website is right now or has been in the past. So uh, that definitely want to dig into that. So look forward to that in a future episode. And just to wrap things up, I uh, I need to say that you guys are awesome because uh, you guys have really taken this show and made it what it is by being listeners and being supporters in the group, in the TAS community, that is, TASers as we're calling each of us, right? And I did want to mention two things. One, some of you seen the shirt that we had created, and it's the Amazing Seller shirt. And I want you to remember something here. When I reference the Amazing Seller, it's not me that's the Amazing Seller, it's you. And it's really all about helping you become the next Amazing Seller. That's really what it is. So we created these shirts, and the shirts, well, there's two different purposes to the shirt. It's really something that you can wear, and I can wear, that represents that. Right, And there's a couple of cool things on the shirt that really we kind of all know about. There's the one that's hanging off of Brody's collar, which means 1%, uh, for those of you that don't know. And there's a garlic press reference on it as well. So if you want to check that shirt out, and if you want to purchase one, you would be also donating to a charity, which we are going to be donating any proceeds from this shirt to a charity, and uh, you can read all about that on the actual page, and that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash shirt, and again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash shirt, so that's what I wanted to say about that, all right, so really, really excited about that and about the charity that we're going to be able to help with those shirts. 
The other thing I wanted to say real quick before we go is if you have not joined one of the live workshops where I actually walk you through the five phases of how I got started and kind of how I've learned along the way and kind of how I chunk things down, then you're going to want to head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And over there, you can sign up for the next live workshop. All right, so that's it, gang. Thank you so much. Once again, remember, I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. I know you can make this happen, but you have to. You have to do what? Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. Take action. All right, take care, everyone. See you in the next episode.